DJ and PK, David Locke joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lisa Nifon, and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David Locke joins us now. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Not as good as the Utah Jazz. 18 out of 20 is impressive. 13 of 14. 10 of those by double digits. That's impressive. But I think the thing that's getting my attention now is the fact they're 10 and 2 in the last 12 road games. Is that the most impressive thing to you, or you got something else right now that's getting you? No, I think the offensive rating of a 122 is the most impressive since Jordan Clarkson joined the team. I mean, that, that's his, you know, it's, it's not for an entire season, but for the last 14 games, the offense is a 122.6. The next closest in that span is Dallas at 116. So that's six points more per 100 possessions than the second best team. Uh, the league average is 110.7, so the difference between 1 and 2, the Jazz 1 to 2, is more than the difference between 2 to the league average. Um, it's pretty incredible what they're doing offensively right now um, without an excessive amount of outliers is actually what probably jumps out to me more than anything else. They're certainly shooting it well. An effective field goal percentage of 59%, which probably is not sustainable since it's three points better than anyone else in the league. But other than that, there's not a lot of stuff in here that's not too sustainable, and there's not a lot of individual performances that are that are outrageous. Um, so it's curious. I'm curious to see who slows, who can figure out a way to slow down the offense at some point here. So they're now in second place, and a lot of folks had them being that high. And you speak of not a lot of outrageous individual performances. I think there's actually one, and it's to the one that's a surprise, because if you told me they would be this good without getting a whole lot from Mike Conley, that's where I'd be surprised. Not so much that they're there, but I had Conley expected to have a big season, and obviously because of injuries and other issues, he hasn't had that. Does that surprise you that they're where they're at, given the fact of the issues and situations of Mike Conley? Good point. Um, it's a really good point, because Mike Conley is pretty vital to everything we thought was going to happen. Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley um, being inserted into that and into that offense was what we thought. Now, Mike's you know, three games back, he's shooting 52%, but he's, it's not like he's shooting a lot and he's not doing anything that's too, um, too outrageous. I mean, I think it's a great point. You look at the last 14 games we're talking about, Donovan's shooting really well. Donovan's shooting 50 from the field and 40 from three. Bogdanovich is at 47 and 35. That's not crazy. Gobert's been great. He's at 69%. That's exactly what he was last year when Favors was off the floor. Clarkson's at 46-33. Joe's at Joe's a little hot. He's at 50-49, so that's hot. That's probably harder than you can maintain. And the rest of the guys are kind of where you'd expect them to be. Um, and the shot quality they're getting is incredible. So, yeah, I would expect Mike to then add into that mix here as he gets more and more comfortable with time. Feels like the way they're going, there's no need to rush him back into the starting five or into the closing five. But assuming that they don't win nine out of every ten games for the rest of the season, at which point I guess I would never make any changes, what do you think about Quinn just kind of holding on to Mike in this uh, backup role until there is a bump in the road and they lose three out of five and they're struggling and maybe putting him in the starting lineup then would be the jolt to get him back on track? Mike would have to be really on board with that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think you have to respect Mike Conley's career and who he is, and you know you aren't supposed to lose your job due to injury. Um, so I think there's, I think you'd have to really 
that have to be maybe Mike initiated more than Quinn initiated, and I'm not sure that that's a spot where I'd expect Mike Conley to go. I think um, I think my, as Mike gets cleared more and more here, he's going to want to play more and more, and you can and you know you owe him the the respect to play him more and more. Okay, so with that in mind, and I obviously I buy what you're saying exactly, and since he's been back in the bench role, that's reduced the role of Moutier. But if Conley and when Conley goes back as the starter and plays more and more minutes, does that mean Moutier goes back to where he was as being the backup to Conley as it was earlier in the year? No, I don't think so. I think this is the new nine-man rotation Okay, um, that we're seeing right now. I think it just would be dispersed a little differently. You know, so... This is a phrase that I am not sure I've heard a lot of people talk about when you talk about substitution patterns. But if you kind of look at how teams do substitution patterns, you a player either will play... Well, Jordan Clarkson actually is kind of a unique one, so I guess there's three. But a, a player will generally play either two stints or three stints and a half. Um and, then, and certain players are different. Certain players like it different ways. Jordan Clarkson's unique in the sense that Jordan Clarkson is coming pretty close to playing one stint, right? He checks in and plays about 13 consecutive minutes with a quarter break in between. Um, and so some of the bench players maybe do that. But starters generally, you play players at either <clears throat> two or three stints. And so I think what you'll see is a nine-man rotation, and I don't know how they'll do it, but you may see Mike playing in – stints so that his minutes are similar along with maybe starting the added minutes are starting and then he's playing similar minutes to what he's doing right now um, and against who he's playing um, in some ways I, I'm not entirely sure but uh, it's a way to so you pl- in turn you would play Mike in three stints he would start he'd play a closing you know first quarter and he'd play some stint in second quarter or something of that sort um, but I, I think this is the nine-man rotation moving forward so no matter how good they've been, and they've obviously been very good, it's never perfect. What is Quinn working on? What is he cooking up? What is the next thing to improve them and make them better? They've been pretty good. I know. Um, I agree. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of the things that Quinn's been working on throughout the season. Um, and I think, you know, he'll just dominate the details will be the phrase that he talks to them about the most, which is just the continuation of – of trying to make sure that you're getting better every day and that you're, you know, you're dominating the details. And we're seeing it. I mean, a lot of them, the dominated details can involve Rudy. I mean, there's just play calls that we see that they're running now that are working that didn't run earlier this year because they didn't dominate the details by to make sure that, you know, Rudy's route was starting at the right spot or the ball was at the right angle or things of that nature. Um, there's one play in particular I'm thinking of, and, you know, they just are running it better than they ran it. Um, a month ago, and in turn, it's working. Just watching the games as I do, it seems that Jordan Clarkson gets his points so regularly, almost like it's with ease, and I know it's not, but it just seems like he is something that you can absolutely count on every game. How would you answer that? I think that's actually what is most interesting to me about this team right now. I agree 100%, PK. Um, And I'm just blown away by his ability to get to the basket. And I'm wondering, you know, the same thing everybody else is, is there there a matchup here at some point where he doesn't? Um, He's sneaky good on the pick and roll, too, by the way. His numbers with Gobert on the pick and roll are through the roof. Um, the, The one that has me maybe most excited about this team is... 
the standard deviation of performance is really narrow. And so when you have a great team is when you can pen in what each player is going to give you each night. When you have a team that's not that way, it's when you have the player who averages 16 points a game, and that means he gives you 24 one night and 12 the other. And that's actually 18. But um, So, you know, that's, um, you know, when you have that, it's hard because you lose on the night where he gives you 12 and you win the night where he gives you 24. We don't have that right now, right? Like, I mean, we can just about open the box score, right? Fill out the box score before the night's over. Donovan's getting 24. Boyan's getting 21. Yeah. Rudy's getting like 17. Joe's getting 12. Royce is going to get eight. Clarkson's coming off the bench for 15. And it's about the same every single night. And then it's about the same without Quinn Snyder, like calling each guy's number. It's just happening in the flow of the game. That, to me, is the most interesting and encouraging thing about what's taking place on this team. Because if you're having that level of consistency in performance out of all of your guys, then how do you have a bad night? And we haven't had one yet. We got outscored by New Orleans. Um, And it will be interesting to see in the next 10 games when we play good offensive teams, none of them are top 10 defensive teams until we play Miami on the final night before the All-Star break, whether any of those teams can outscore us. So going forward, you were talking about being able to pencil in, you know, Rudy will get his 17. Rudy started putting up these 20-point games, five of the last six, and I'm wondering if that's because the Jazz have, for quite a while now, had four of the top 25, 33-point shooters in the league, and as much as they wanted to take away the dunks, as PK mentioned, uh, hey, three is more than two. They're not leaving these good three-point shooters. Is Rudy going to be in the paint in the two-man game? Because they, they tend to score a lot of points with him when that happens. I mean, their catch-and-shoot game right now is at 42.7%, so you're about 1.3 points per shot on a catch-and-shoot. You gotta, you can't, like, if you're the opposing team, you cannot let that happen. Like, you've got to limit that. So now you're playing pick and roll, and Rudy's rolling, and, uh, if Rudy sets a good pick, now you've got to probably switch that pick and roll. And so you've got a big on the guard, or the big trying to play both. There just aren't that many bigs that can do what Rudy does, where he guards two guys that, in that manner. And, I mean, this is, this is the essence of what the offense is. This is how you pick your poison. Now, the Warriors are terrible, but, you know, Indiana, who was, I think, sluggish, didn't have an answer for it. I, I don't, I don't, I think the answer is on certain given plays, you're going to have to start trapping this team a little bit. But if you trap us regularly, we've torched everyone for three years who's done that. So I don't really know right now. Um, it'll be, I think, phys- teams are going to get into us physically, blow up our spacing. Our spacing last night was terrible. And so if you just freeze frame the game last night, every possession we came down to our floor spacing, just absolutely perfect on every play. And then it just gives Clarkson and Bill Bear and all these guys just so much room in the middle of the floor to manage. Boyan just working his way in. You know the floor spacing's not as good on the nights where Boyan's driving, the ball's getting knocked out of his hands because he's, you know, he's not at 6'9 or 6'8 and he's not the tightest dribbler. And we're asking him to do stuff he hasn't done before. Um, but it's... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you do defensively because you, you just don't have a lot of guys you can leave. I think teams are going to leave Royce at a higher rate than they are right now and force him to beat them. And I think they're going to do the same thing with George, and he's shown he can beat them. Um, and so those are the two guys that I think if you're a team coming in, you're just going to decide those two have to shoot as much as you possibly can because everybody else is too good. Do you anticipate that the team's excited to go into this between now and the All-Star break when the schedule gets tougher to maybe, I don't know necessarily to prove to themselves, 
but really just shut up critics who say you're just doing nothing but beating bad teams? I don't think they're excited to play. Like, I think it's just really fun for them to come to the arena every night. I think they, you know, we got in late last night and they get the day off today. And, and I would guess what they have today. I don't know this, but I would guess. No, I actually think they might have a closed gym today. Sometimes they'll, they'll close the gym and say. It is closed. You know, it's locked a- out. It's a lockout, Joe told us. It's locked out. Yeah, okay. So it's a lockout. Um, because if it's not a lockout, I would guess that, and, and that's probably why they did a lockout. Um, because everyone's so, having such a good time that if you're not careful, everyone will just show up at the gym at one o'clock, and, and you're not getting what they need to have as a lockout. So, um, I I think um, I think there's just a great energy to everything that's going on. Ethan Strauss, who writes longtime writer, not longtime, but an interesting NBA writer. Um, afterwards, I was talking with him, and he's like, I have not seen a locker room like that in a long time. He's like, maybe the Warriors the very first year when they kind of clicked and everything was so happy, but he's like, wow, that locker room in there was as joyous and fun and they're having a good time together. I just think these guys right now, I mean, it's really, it's really fun when you're this good to to go to work every day. So I think that's, um, I think that's a large part of what we're seeing. And so to your question specifically, PK, I just think they're excited to go to the gym. Is it playing better teams? Honestly, I think these guys have a pretty good respect for everyone they're playing um, and know that those are other NBA players. They certainly know they're better than them, like last night, but I think they have a pretty good respect that like D'Angelo Russell could go for 45 if you forget to show up. So I I think there's probably a little bit of hype that you're ready to go play Luka or James Harden um, because of the, who they are, but I also actually just think players more than fans are actually pretty ready to play every night because they have respect for the 450 guys in the league. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll hear you Saturday afternoon, the Jazz and the Mavericks. I know. i got to remember that one. Don't, get, you know, don't show up three hours late for that one. <laughs> exactly. Three o'clock game. All right. Thanks, David.